The following has been brought to you by SJP World Media. Hello and welcome to the Murder in Mind podcast. I am one half of your host and duo, Morty, and I'm joined by my big, snuggly, hairy buddy. That sounds a bit wrong. Uh, Cy <laughs> Pow, how you doing, Cy? Hello, I am very snuggly, mate. I'm sat here in my snood. No, <laughs> I've got you a, look not very a snood. Not as snood as one of the things the stupid footballers wear around their neck. No, I've got an Udi on, sorry. Udi? Yeah. Think think like Doctor Who. Yeah. The Ood. Yeah. The Ood, that's it. He's yeah, wearing but- an Ood. It's basically a blanket with sleeves, and it's fucking fantastic. <laughs> you look so snug. <laughs> it's huge, man. I mean, I'm a big bloke. I'm, I'm like I'm like six foot, and I'm, I'm fucking I'm a big old fucking fella. And it comes down to my knees, so you can imagine the size of this thing when I stand up. I look like you know, I don't know, I look like a, some sort of cartoon character or something with this great big fucking mass of fabric. I mean, the hood that comes up all the way as well. Like, yeah. So one of my other uh, podcasting partner got bought one for Christmas, and he swears by it as well. It's fantastic. It's well worth it. But it's well worth it. I am not cosy. I am sitting on a cheap old dining room chair in a conservatory, which sounds good, but it is freezing cold. I've got a little um uh little portable heater next to me. Right. So I'm constantly constantly worried that I'm gonna twitch and knock it over and burn the house down. <laughs> uh, so yeah so it's nice to see because you're making me feel warmer just looking at you you look so cuddly oh there we go mate. Yeah, there you go you need to invest in an ud mate that's it for when you're in the conservatory i do i do um where do you get them from could you get them from a boutique oh maybe i mentioned the boutique because i was trying to find some sort of reason to talk about last week yeah uh, the scooters <laughs> in the window yeah <laughs> so last week we watched um uh, the first episode of series two of Murder in Mind. Um, and I can't remember what we said about it, but I'm pretty sure I murdered it and you kept it in mind. Is that right? I kept it in mind, yeah. I, quite, I didn't mind it, yeah. I thought it was quite yeah, good. So I thought, yeah, I, I was uh, at the beginning of this podcast, I was writing down which ones we kept in mind and which ones we uh, murdered. And then I forgot to do that last week. Um, okay. I think there was, uh, there was enough there that um, put me off a little bit. And it, was, it wasn't awful. It was really, it was good. Mm. Um, but I just don't think, in comparison to the other episodes, perhaps wasn't as strong. But um, but yeah, obviously you um, you said you thought it was really uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. Watch, so. mm. um, this week is again a very different episode, which is one of the things we found with Murder in Mind. One of the reasons that we're doing this is because, although obviously they're all linked by murder, and that it's yes. from the killer's point of view, <laughs> all the episodes feel very different, don't they, in tone and. Yeah, yeah, totally. And and this one, when I first, I've actually watched it twice now. Have you really? Because, yeah, you I watched watch it, it again. Yeah, when I messaged you the other day, mm-hmm. that's when I watched it the first time. And I, I literally just put it on and watched it, didn't make any notes or anything like that. Ah. And I rewatched it again yesterday to make my notes. Mm-hmm. And the first time I watched it, I messaged you and said, you know, obviously a big point of this is they're talking to the camera. Because it's mm. a completely different situation, isn't it, to what what's happened before? And that yeah. that made that, that threw me. That felt so weird when that happened. Mm. Yeah, you you just sent me um, that was different or something like that, didn't? You? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I knew what you were getting at straight away. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, so this is uh, Series 2, Episode 2. It's called Disposal. Uh, Religion released on the 26th of January, 2002. Oh. Um, so, yeah, we again, we are in 21-year-old... 22-year-old? 21-year-old television. Um, it was written by J.C. Wilshire, who um, wrote one more episode of this. And also, it's a really early sort of Doctor Who alert. Okay. Because um, he also uh, wrote um, a a series two episode of Torchwood, which was called Reset. Okay. I've not seen Torchwood. Yeah, I've not seen Torchwood. I I can't believe we've had this conversation for over a year and you've still not gone and watched it. Are you saving it for a podcast? No, I'm not going to save it. To be honest, the Doctor Who pod may end up covering some Torchwood at some point. We've talked about it, haven't we? um, Yeah. Yeah, because you you uh, on the Doctor Who pod, which you can find on SJP World Media, um, they uh, Cy and Dan Griffin um, go through a story from each Doctor, but also to make up, I think it's fourteen episodes usually your seasons. Yeah, like yeah. Um, they uh, because of the amount of Doctors, I think, right? That's yeah, yeah, yeah. It started off. It started off. Um, I think it's about fourteen, fifteen episodes because we have our. Our like introductory episodes of the mm-hmm. season, then our countdown at the end, and we have a couple of specials thrown in as well. Yeah, so obviously, you know, like um, uh, Paul McGann only had mm. the one movie, and yeah. um, you know, you'll run out of Chris Ferguson ones quite quickly. So, um, so they do some specials like the Free Doctors and different things like this. So after a while, they're going to start running out. So is that what you maybe you'll start looking at? Uh, maybe. And I, I would massively suggest for the type of stuff you're into, Sarah Jane Adventures as well, even though it's a younger thing. There's, it's quite an interesting mix because it's, it's for kids, but there's loads of throwbacks, old sort of seventies, eighties, uh, Doctor Who. So it's, oh, um, that's right up my street. Yeah, yeah. I think we said before you're on the rewatch with your daughter. Maybe once yes. that's uh, run out, um, introduce her to Sarah Jane. David Tennant appears in a couple of episodes as well, or an episode. Oh, she is obsessed with David Tennant. Yeah, she, yeah. We've just we've just got past the fiftieth, so Tennant arrived. And oh, I yeah, to, oh yeah. I managed to keep that a complete secret from her all the way through, and then I told her to look away when mm-hmm. I bought the bought the iPlayer app, so because you've got the, the little thumbnails, ah. haven't you? So she wouldn't see him on the thing. Press play, and she was like, what's going on? And then, of course, his fucking name comes up at the beginning, and I was like, oh. damn it! <laughs> <laughs> was she well excited? She was. She was literally bouncing up and down. We, we watched upstairs in my room on the little portable, because the missus has got no interest. She's downstairs doing other stuff. Yeah, right. And she was bouncing up and down on the bed. She was so excited when she saw David Tennant's name. Then she saw Billy Piper's name as well. I was crazy excited about yeah. that. But obviously, Billy Piper's role in the 50th is a bit different, but yeah, she was very yeah. excited Oh, that's awesome. That's cool. Um, yeah, Torchwood is is say it's hit and miss, but it's uh, okay. it's well worth a watch, one man. Um, yeah. So so uh, the main character as you mentioned, um, who talks to us a lot, is played by Rob Brydon. We spoke about it last week. Yeah, and this is the thing as well. It's this whole episode is weird for me. First of all, because that he's talking to the camera throughout. Mm. There's a, it's like a constant narration, you know, all the way through it. That's different to what we're used to. But mm. also, I know Rob Brydon from Gavin and Stacey, and he is the highlight of that show. He is the, mm. he is the reason to watch that show. He is so good. But here is he's got a completely different accent. Yeah. It's weird. <laughs> <laughs> well, and there's other words to describe it as well, but weird is one yeah. then. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, he's, he's 
probably now best known for Gavin and Stacey, but also, you know, Would I Lie to You and, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, sort of presenting things like that. Like I said, he used to do a character called Keith Barrett who mm. had, did some really funny stuff. But he's a comedian, and um, so he's not the only comedian that rocks up in the series in a serious role. Yep. Um, but, yeah, this is sort of the first serious role, really, that he had. Um, and I don't think he's had many since. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll sort of talk a little bit later on as we get into it, what we think about how he uh, how he managed in a more serious setting. Or was it a more serious setting? That's the, that's the thing I'm not sure about. So uh, we'll the, see. Spoiler alert. This is a yeah. weird one. <laughs> yeah, it's an odd one. It's an odd one. Um, so we kick off with some beautiful cliff scenery, don't we? Yeah, I, I'm thinking, is that Dover because they're white? Or am I just stereotyping all cliffs, sir? Well, I, I I just made the assumption that um, it can't be because they do mention quite a few times that they're in Birmingham. Ah, okay. Because they find the rougher parts of Birmingham to walk yeah. around. But this so, is a this is a getaway home, like it a family. Yeah. yeah, so they might have driven. Uh, geography is not my strong point. Is that far from Birmingham? I thought that was far, far enough. From Birmingham. Yeah, far enough. I mean, Birmingham is like right in the middle of the country, isn't it? so you know. The drive next week, essentially. Okay, so to drive anywhere with cliffs, you're driving a bit of a distance, isn't you? <laughs> you think about it there's <laughs> logic there yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah lovely little cottage um, and it's night time so first of all that put me my mind at rest yeah yeah, back to not, yeah. I've only I've, I've, I've there's only been two episodes uh, that have started a daytime and both of them for me I've just told them to get murdered <laughs> so, I don't like time. the light <laughs> I want it to be dark and depressing, damn it. Um so we've got a fa- we've got a family eating. Uh I've written we've got family eating, the accent is bloody awful. <laughs> so yes. spoilers. Um Rob Bryden, who is a very famous by this point in Britain, um Welsh comedian, mm-hmm. is doing a Brummy accent. Yeah. I would argue a Brummy accent sorry if there's any Brummies listening, is not the best accent anyway. No, it doesn't matter what you do. You could be the most intelligent person in the world. If you've got a Brummie accent, you're going to sound a bit funny. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, what it reminded me of was, you know, Lenny Henry used to do yeah. that routine talking about when he was from Dudley. <laughs> yeah. That's what this reminded me of every single time they spoke. Uh-huh. Or well, Jasper Carrot used to put the voice on quite strong, didn't yes. he? Yep. Yeah, Jasper Carrot, yeah. Yeah, so when you're, when you're watching a what you would figure would be a serious TV show... Uh, they're doing that accent, and then he turns to the camera and talks to us quite soon. Mm. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's different. Um, so yeah, you got family eating; they're all having a little talk, and he's talking about waste strategy management. Yeah, yeah. Um, I can't rip him for that because I've often had conversations about that in my job role. <laughs> so you know, in my uh, job, it's literally a case of why haven't they come and emptied our skip yet? And yeah. then I got then they'll, they'll get me air off because I've got rubbish everywhere. That's as far as my management goes when it comes to <laughs> I'm the person that gets the call saying size kicking off. <laughs> the why 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 hasn't the waste arrived? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's I full of stuff it shouldn't be full of. Man. Hidden under a load of cardboard. That's why it's full already, but just get rid of it. <laughs> <laughs> it's full of rucksacks. Yeah. Um, no water nearby. Um it's all about uh, waste strategy management. Um and that, that's when he start, He turns to the camera, starts talking to the camera. So the first few seconds, you don't get that. And then he does mm. that. For you, that was quite jarring then, it sounds like. It almost, I wouldn't say made me jump, but I literally sat here and just went, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I 
<laughs> talking to me because it was like oh god all of a sudden i'm like oh, i gotta pay attention what's he all about <laughs> <laughs> it was really surreal because again yeah. we're, we're what how many episodes are in season one seven and we've done yeah so this is our ninth episode mm. and that's never happened before the closest we've come to it was when the uh the guy who was in morse was talking into the camera in the shed yeah. And yeah. I thought that was quite well done because it gives a reason for the narration because he's talking to the camera, but he's effectively mm-hmm. talking to the viewers. Here, they've just done away with that and just let him talk straight to us. So, Yes, there's been a few. Um, there was that. There was last episode where she was talking to the phone and to a cat. Yes. You, she, you were getting insights. They used those tools. Mm. Um, one more effectively than the other for me personally. There was episode two with Joe where they did a kind of a, a voiceover in his head when he was reading messages. Mm. So we didn't have to read the messages on online. I think they dealt with it quite, quite cleverly. And this one, he literally just turned to the camera and started talking to us. Yeah. Now I'm going to put on front street. I've said before, Joe put me off when he looked at the camera. Right. Steve McFadden. Do you remember that? Yeah. yeah. It took me out of it already. I'm a little bit taken out by him, but that took me out of it. Um, there was a f- there was a few bits in the last episode which you remember I said they took me out of it when they did certain things. Every time I started finding myself getting into this, he would talk to the camera and start talking to me. Right, okay. And I would go, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, like I said, I've got nothing like you know I'm uh, I'm a big fan of all kinds of different TV shows and there's loads of shows where people stop and they talk to you and it's done really well, but they're usually comedy shows. Um, or you know, or if it is that case, they're usually done like you mentioned, you know, like Dexter and you, for example. They're both flawed yeah. programs, but that's an that's a, a monologue in his head, and you can sort of suspend your disbelief to you are hearing what he's thinking. He doesn't look at the camera and go, "Oi, sigh, mate, <laughs> <laughs> empty your bins." Um, yeah, yeah. So it, yeah, quite quite um, off-putting to me. See. I found it quite annoying and quite off-putting at the beginning. Mm. But then, uh, I don't know, I wouldn't say halfway through, but later on into the show, there are moments where I, I, I almost didn't mind it so much because there were aspects added to, to the character because he was almost laughing at certain situations that were a bit dark and so on. And I mm. found that a bit like, oh, street, that's a bit dark and, and a bit chilling. But then by the end, it was nonsense again. Yeah, so, so uh, perhaps what they were trying to do was, it's murder in mind, they were trying to get us into his thoughts, and they mm-hmm. were like, you know, see so that you understand not just what he's saying, but fully how his mind is working the situation, but I'm sure there's a better way of doing that than getting yeah, just must be. directly at the camera. Um, anyway, um, so he very kindly introduces us all to the characters, his wife Angela, her parents, her sister Sophie, her husband Alex, and his nephews. Yep. Um, so there's a whole old... Uh, cast of people there that he introduced us to one of his uh, nephews sporting a lovely early 2000s highlighted haircut lovely little little tips done weren't they oh yeah little frosted tips so 2000s oh he looked great (laughs) i Um, bet you had that haircut didn't you (laughs) i've had the same haircut my entire life apart from two years where i had a mullet (laughs) and was that the last two years <laughs> there was, there was uh, thirteen going on fourteen, or fourteen going on fifteen. Okay. I had a greasy mullet that I didn't wash. 
It wasn't actually a mullet, but you know when you start growing your hair out, yes, and it goes to that shit stage. Yeah, never got past that stage. Uh, you know they just start thinning it out. Yeah, it yeah. naturally thins out now. But um, I was quite fortunate that when I grew my hair, I worked somewhere I could keep a hat on. Okay. So for two years, I just wore a hat everywhere. <laughs> Can't, not allowed to do that at school. Nah. They want us to see your awful, awful, awful hair. Um, Angela is played by someone called Geraldine Somerville. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, she was Lily Potter in the Harry Potter films. Never watched them. I saw she was in Lily Potter, but I don't... Uh, sorry, Harry Potter, but I didn't mm. uh, tweak Lily who that Potter, is. I would assume, is mum? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I mean, she's... I know, that's angered some people. She must be in her... 30s here I would say and that was 20 odd yeah. years ago so when Harry Potter came around she'd have been what in her 40s 40, so that would, yeah that would, age wise that would work yeah. out yeah because I don't know I, I say I've, I've I've not put myself through that much of them but um, I, I think his parents were in it very briefly aren't they mm. I think so we've probably sang a lot of people it was his auntie you dicks um <laughs> Alex was played by Stephen Pacey. He's been in loads of little things, but I have written down specifically that he popped up in Lovejoy. I don't know why I've done that. Okay. But there you go. Oh, you were interested. There you go. Lovejoy. Yeah, I, I remember Lovejoy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when my mum and dad used to love love Lovejoy. Um, I can't remember what night of the week it was on, but that was like that that when it was that time of week, Lovejoy was on the telly. Same as Heartbeat. Do you remember Heartbeat? Heartbeat. Yeah, yeah. I went to the. I went to where that was filmed. And my dad did. Yeah, not yeah. together. We didn't. No. no, you didn't go out with my dad to no. Yorkshire. <laughs> <laughs> no, we went on the train. You know the train that you see in the opening credits. Yes, we went on that train, and we went to the little village. Yeah, it was lovely. My dad loved Heartbeat. He was obsessed. But like at the beginning, when it was, is it Nick Greengrass and all that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nick Heartbeat. Berry. Is that right? Is that the guy's name? The one who was Simon Wicks in EastEnders. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Was it Simon Wicks or whatever? Wicks. Yeah. But um, when he was in, in in it originally, my dad loved it. So he's got his picture took on like the the green, and he went to the garage and had his picture took there and all that sort of stuff. There's more pictures of my dad in the heartbeat set than there is of me in my parents' house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and there's there's old matey from uh, Midsummer Murders as well, wasn't it? Wasn't he in it? Oh, who I don't know. I've not seen Midsummer Murders. Yeah, uh, he probably wasn't. I'm probably making it up. Um, <laughs> Sophie, who is. Um, Rob Brydon's sister-in-law. Mm-hmm. She's played by Helen Pearson. Apparently, she's been in Hollyoaks for about 13 years or something. Okay. There you go. That must uh, be where I know her from. Frankie. Oh, yes. Oh, oh, you know Frankie. Oh, I remember Frankie. I think she died. Oh. That took a dark turn. Well, maybe, Sophie. Maybe she hasn't died. I don't know. <laughs> I see. I recognised her because the wife watches Hollyoaks. It's on five days a week, so I'm naturally at some point going to catch some of it. Cause it's on a tea yeah, time yeah. as well, isn't it? Yeah. You know, and I recognised her, but I couldn't place where it was from. But there, there you go. go. She, she was in, uh, in Hollyoaks for 13 years. It says was in Hollyoaks for 13 years, so mm. maybe she, maybe the character is uh, dead. I'm pretty certain Frankie is dead. I'll tell you what, whilst you carry on going through the rest of your tropes, I'm going to text my missus. This is live interactions <laughs> on the podcast. Live interaction. Uh, Mara played by someone called uh, Kate Crutchley. Not been in anything. Pa was Kenneth Hadley, who popped up in Boone, Bergerac, and he was also Hitler in Red Dwarf. Hitler, oh, okay. Yeah. So that's some range. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's really, isn't it? <laughs> um, and that that's all I've I've got for now. The kids haven't been in anything else. Um, maybe some music videos for those frosted tips. But yeah. um like nine one one, that was a boy band who had frosted tips. I think it was nine one one. Uh I, I've heard of them. I couldn't pick them out of a lineup. I remember yeah. um um 
a I want to say A12, but that's a that's a road near me. They might have been A1. A1. Okay. Yeah, they did a cover of Take on Me by Yeah, Aha, they did. Yeah, is that right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. My sister loved uh, A1 and Five and all that. Yeah, See, um, my, my wife's got brilliant taste in music, but then every now and again it comes across a little bit bipolar or a little bit, you know, like split personality because it'll be, you know, bands like Pop Evil, they were a great rock band, and then Guns N' Roses on, on like the shuffle, and then all of a sudden a track from 911 or A1 will come on just completely <laughs> at random. And I was just like, what the hell? <laughs> you know, that sounds like my podcast there. My, uh, <laughs> my, uh, I, I change to be fair. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I've got to put a few notes here about the talking to the camera, so I'm not going to keep reading those out, uh, but I've re- I basically read, not a fan of that. Um, he tells her that, um, he tells her that he doesn't envy anyone. Is that now? Mm. At the beginning of the show, he, he says, Oh, we have a flashback, don't we? Yeah, oh, yeah, because yeah. it has a flashback of them arriving at the holiday home. And That's he says right. he doesn't envy anyone because she's asking about getting another car. Yes, that she can put through his expenses on for the for work. Mm, interesting. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um, he said he doesn't envy, envy anyone because he's got everything he wants, um, and she doesn't seem so sure. Mm. Does she? You're already getting vibes that he's a bit of a. I don't a wanna... boring bastard. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> he's a bit dull, isn't he? Yeah, there's nothing wrong with being content, but yeah. Yeah. And I think he's punching a bit as well, mind. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. Um, This was before his hair transplant as well, wasn't it? Ah, okay. Yeah. Because after his hair transplant, you know, he he thoroughly deserves a last like that, yeah? Is that what you're saying? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's where it was going wrong. Um, He's he's got a little gadget. I I love the little gadget with the pen. Oh, it took me back. What are they called? I've written a note literally here that says, what is that gadget? What is that? Uh, so I can't remember the, so it's a, it's a people listening. It's a little electronic gadget, almost like an early, well, almost like an early phone, I guess. Yeah. Got like a little keyboard for it and you would make notes and you use the little pen on the screen. And I remember those. I remember people having the little pens for the yeah. touch screen. You use your finger, you use the little pen. Yeah. It like was, a, it was a stylus. Was it called? Um, I had a cheap version that came free in the mail that my gran gave me, which didn't have the little pen. It was just a little slide up thing and you typed in it and, um, and then you could make it speak. I had a little one of those you know, that used to make little notes in it. used to save your little notes. Right. Okay. Yeah. I'm looking at something here and it doesn't tell me anything about what it is. So this is pointless. <laughs> <laughs> It I didn't know if a, you would know what it was called. But no, I've got you no might have that idea. Next to your, uh, next to your, next to my Windows desktop. 98 PC. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was almost like, like, do you remember when everybody went um, BlackBerry crazy? Yeah. Everyone now has an iPhone or or an Android or Samsung or whatever, mm-hmm. don't they? But for a period of time, everyone went BlackBerry crazy, and then you used to get the Blackberries with the little stick, the stylus thing. Yeah. With a little wire. It looks like that, but it's this not was a like phone. an earlier version of that. I think mm. but it wasn't a phone. I don't think. Yeah, um, it was for like taking notes, and you could do recordings on it and things like that. Mm. Um, but he can't figure it out, can he? No, no, he can't. <laughs> <laughs> too modern for him. Uh, too modern for us. We don't even know what it's called. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, yes, yeah, so they're 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 in their bedroom at this point, aren't they? In the cottage, and they're he's trying to work that out. And then Alex comes in, who's the uh, brother-in-law. 
And I've written, they're clearly shagging. Yes, without a doubt, straight away you can tell. He walks in and she gives her the doughy, she gives him the doughy eyes, doesn't she? And mm. um, yeah, it's it's a bit over the top, I think, with the lovely eyes. There's a Not few things that reference this relationship. One that mm. we'll come to later that just doesn't work for me. Okay. Because okay, we we basically we established quite early on that his wife Ange is having an affair with his brother-in-law, mm-hmm. and it's all you know secret, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But at the same time, there are moments when I don't know if it's because we already know this. I don't know, but there are moments when certain dialogue just doesn't seem right, and there are other moments where certain looks or certain behaviours doesn't seem right. If you're trying to keep it a secret, mm. you know. Yeah, I mean, they had, they had quite a bit of sexual chemistry even in this section, but I suppose he's looking at his little gadget. Mm. That's um, not a euphemism, of course. That's, he's <laughs> looking at his gadget. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he was legitimately looking at his little gadget, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, then he breaks forth all again, tells us that he um, he hadn't quite worked out how to use that little gadget and he mm-hmm. hadn't turned it off. Um, so it does record, as I said, and um, he caught them nearly shagging. They're... Uh, Pushing yes. up against the wall and talking about it, aren't they? Yeah, and even mocking him at one point as well. Yeah, they laugh a... about him being a loser bin man, don't they? Yeah, that's harsh, that is. That is, yeah. No, no, I mean, I would argue that shagging uh, shagging his wife is pretty harsh already. But, um, then... <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> but then, yeah, kicking him a bit when he's down, going, yeah, oh, yeah it's a bit. I, I don't know why I took more offence to the fact that they're <laughs> laughing at the fact he works for a, a bin company than... <laughs> <laughs> I've got my priorities completely wrong in this situation. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, he looks at the camera and he says that uh, he, he's not a confrontational sort. Um, he could wreck the family now and announce it, um, but he read somewhere that revenge is a, bis- uh, a dish best served cold. Mm, what do you think about this bit? Uh, I, I'd, I'd struggle. I think, again, everyone's different, but mm. I personally would struggle not to react straight away. Mm. I can appreciate, though, maybe because there's kids involved, being a bit more sensible about it. Mm-hmm. But the whole, all, you know, revenge is the dish best served cold. That's that's incredibly corny, incredibly cheeseball, isn't it? That's very cheesy. Um yeah, that's this is where I kind of differ because that's too cheesy for me. Mm-hmm. But at the, and I love a bit of cheese, but that's cheesy. But at the same time, the actual approach, I thought, had they not have had that line in, and maybe didn't have him talking directly to the camera, um, <laughs> it's interesting because he he goes into great lengths later on explaining how his whole personality is a, a little bit like um, last week's character Jane. Obviously, she mm-hmm. had more of a temper. Uh, more of a rage, you know, she would fill out in the rage, but she was very organized about certain things. Yes. Uh, and he is very organized. He's a very organized guy and he's lateral, very lateral thinking. Um, and he's just had this sort of shock, but his brain has gone, right, you need to digest this. Um, and I think there's an element here of denial still. Okay. Because of a scene that comes up in a little while. I think there's still an element of he's, if we're if we're supposed to believe that we are just in his thoughts, his thought is well, I could I could announce it now, but I'm just gonna I'm just gonna uh, you know I'll get my own back on him. But it, well, he actually says the line. Almost, Sorry, more. He actually says the line, doesn't he? I need more data. 
Yes, I need more data. That's right. Mm. He collects data and he needs more data. Mm. Um, so I think it's him trying to be logical uh, about it. And he doesn't seem like an impulsive man. He does, he does seem like the type that would find out that someone cheated on him. He'd just put his head down and go, oh, shit. Yeah. Not necessarily. Um, and to be honest, if you got into a fight with Alex, you would think Alex would probably be able to have him. Well, this is it. Alex is quite a you know, much bigger bloke than him, isn't he? And yeah. he's, he's even described by... Uh, Barry himself later on in the episode that as Alex being the alpha male of the group. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, he's now talking directly to us about waste disposal. This felt very like a documentary I'd have to yeah. watch in school. One of those TVs <laughs> they push in on wheels. Yeah. But on those days when you knew your teacher had a hangover. And when yeah. that, uh, <laughs> Oh, I never put two and two together on that one. Uh, blatantly, that's what it was, mate. <laughs> Yeah, so he's literally he's walking us around the rubbish dump and he's teaching us that it was very informative. Mm, yeah. Um, but he's kind of crossing it over. He says, uh, I'm being a bit facetious. Uh, crossing it over, as I said, with the fact that his job essentially is to collect data and to assess and to manage things and uh, compartmentalise. And that's what he's doing in this situation, essentially, is the whole yeah. point. Well, there's two ways of looking at that for me. And this is something that runs a great deal throughout the show. Mm-hmm. With regards to the Barry character, he's either an absolute fucking cold-hearted psychopath, and he's literally just thinking, right, this has happened. I'm going to plan what I'm going to do because you know I'm not going to get into any spoilers, but you know, but it is like what happens is quite meticulous, and he, he comes across like he thinks a lot of details through, or he is just that much. Of, I don't know what that much of a, a sort of downtrodden, boring dude that he has no passion to respond. It's mm. one or the other. And I think throughout the episode, one of the cleverer parts of it for me is that I don't really know which to go with. Because whenever I start thinking, okay, he's this cold-hearted psychopath who's just going to exact his revenge by doing this this plan that he has and, and so on, without reacting with any passion or any, you know, almost without any feeling in a way. Or has he just not got the bottle to react with any passion? or it's, it's either the psychopath or the coward, I guess. Yeah, I th- yeah. For me, I, I would agree with that. Um, until maybe one of the f- last things, I yes. think, where you kind of lean more towards uh, one one area of that, mm, yeah, um, totally. and it's even sort of referenced by by someone else. Um, but I agree that it, that's one of the sort of the intrigues. Again, you know, this whole all of these stories, there's intrigue of one way or another. Mm. Now we we know at this point it's murder in mind. We know he's going to be the killer. He's the one we're following, and we're already assuming probably Alex is going to kill. Yes. Um, but we're assuming that he could be planning his wife or anything like this at this point. Um, so yeah, but when he's doing that, he's explaining that his life is identifying problems, collecting data and finding the solution. Um, yeah, I've, I've written here basically to ask you about the camera, but we've already spoken about it loads. Um, she's going for a business trip. And yeah. he takes a folder out of her bag um and then uh she goes upstairs for her mobile yeah all um, of this i thought was very very clever on his part and again it comes back to the meticulous planning mm-hmm. because it's not just the taking of the paperwork out of the suitcase he takes the paperwork out of the suitcase hides it mm-hmm. which then enables him to call his wife's mobile that night mm-hmm. to say i found this paperwork you've left behind find out where she's staying because then she can he can fax it to her faxes mm-hmm. a eh? bloody hell that's going back as well isn't it yeah so you can fax it to her as soon as he gets the location of the hotel 
He instantly tries to ring her ring via yeah. the reception and mm-hmm. finds out she's not there. So that gets the confirmation, because she's told him that she's in bed, mm-hmm. gets the confirmation that she's obviously not in her own room. She's elsewhere. Now she's yep. gone on this business trip with Alex, so it's obvious what's going on. I thought all of that lent into the meticulous planning, the you know, really clever kind of... I don't quite know how to word it. That, 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 but yeah, again, meticulous, step-by-step planning clever. in his head. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um yeah, exactly. Uh, one thing though, they did call her mobile phone her mobe. Was that That's, a thing people did? I don't. I, no, I didn't ever call it mine. That. <laughs> no. Was that ever a net? Was that ever a network mobe, or, or a maker phone? I don't. She. I don't know. She said, "Don't forget your mobe." Yeah, that's weird. Is that? I mean, people used to say mobile phone mm. or their phone. I've heard people call mobile telephone. Mobile, yeah, all that kind of stuff. They're quite common. Mobe, cell phone, but mobe, no. I reckon between you and me and everyone else that we know from our little podcast in circles, we should bring that back. <laughs> <laughs> Just start calling it my mobe. Yeah, that's what's going to happen yeah. from now on. <laughs> Whilst I'm calling people spagos in the street, it's yeah. already I've already got <laughs> causing some issues. People, the people have got no context to what. By the way. If you don't know what that means, it just means pasta. That's all it means. But it sounds like an insult. That's it does. Why we, that's why we use it to describe the listeners to the other show I'm on. Uh, it does not mean anything actually offensive. Yeah. <laughs> but my podcast partner on that on that side, uh, his son has recently been at school calling people spagos. Amazing. <laughs> and I bet that's seen by the teachers as being highly offensive. Probably, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Brilliant. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, one one other thing that we kind of um, skipped over because we obviously got to that call where he says that he needs he's not a man of impulse. He needs more data, and that's yes. when he rings her. Um, he says that um, it's strange because they uh, they made uh, love last night, and she was as responsive as ever. <laughs> what did he expect? <laughs> for for old Anne's just to sort of go "Mm, I think Barry suspects something I'm going to lie like a dead fish and not respond (laughs) (laughs) I think maybe that's kind of his data collecting like oh if she's shagging someone else she's not going to be interested in this but yeah maybe yeah that's another thing I mean I'm not going to get into it but that's another thing I never understood if you are doing the dirty on someone how you can do it with someone and then the next day go and do the dirty because that's just Mm. You're either you're either mentally check or whatever. Let's not get into that. It's best I don't comment um, on that, mate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So he does everything that you said, and um, that's now I put I put now he's become extremely dissociative. Yeah. So I think this is the moment where he's like, oh yeah, no, she's definitely done it. Yeah. Oh yeah, totally. Uh, well, he even um, says to the camera, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. It, it is not nice to be lied to, so he knows some. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And he starts talking about the immune system needing to go to work and channel in on the infection and wipe it out. Mm-hmm. So that's why I put disassociative because he's not, you know, it's a bit like when we talked about, uh, oh God, what was it called? Motive. When, you know, they purposely wouldn't talk about the murder and they yes. wouldn't talk about her. They would talk about the robbery and they would talk about what happened rather than who it happened to where they kind of avoided that. For me, he's starting to do this because he's not talking about them as people anymore. Mm-hmm. they're not people yeah. they're an infection that he needs to sort out and i think that's an interesting 
thing that's in a few of these episodes and i think it's quite clever because i think if you are in that mindset you're going to do that i think most people probably would become disassociative and not no longer see them as people or try and force mm. themselves not to again it's one of the it's i've brought up a couple of times on the show but it's it's one of those things that when you look back at stuff like say you know criminal minds or csi and all that sort of stuff where they're looking at serial killers a lot or, or murderers in general they always say that that there is terminology that they use to separate themselves from their crimes and so on. Mm-hmm. So it sort of does sort of fit into that criteria, doesn't it? Oh yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Um, and he's now walking and talking, uh, to us again, um, about not be usually being in that part of town. Um, not sure why he was in that part of town. No, I don't get it. There wasn't really a reason given. No. For him walking there. Cause he wasn't looking for this, but, um, we see a hooded figure walking behind him. Don't we? Um, what did you think was about to happen? Obviously, I mean, probably what happened, but did you think this was going to... What did you think when you saw it? Basically, he gets mugged, doesn't he? Mm. Now, I didn't know when it was going to occur, but I I thought, is he there to... He's talking about being in the wrong wrong part of town, a bad part Mm. of town, Mm -hmm. and I thought, okay, he wants to act on what he's found out. I thought he was going to try and hire someone to kill whoever. Mm-hmm. So then maybe when uh, I thought, okay, he's down there trying to find someone to do this. He's there mm-hmm. talking about it being a, a bad part of time. This is where these sort of people might hang out potentially. And then when he's mugged, I even thought at one point he was going to call out to the guy and offer him money to do what the murder. Right. Interesting. But I was none of that actually happened. So mm. I think that one thing we maybe skipped over and they mentioned earlier on that there've been lots of muggings and stuff going on. Cause that's when Alex says, okay, you know, if, if someone, tried that with me um i'd take out the yobbo or something like that yeah right? that's right yeah what a dickhead he makes some sort of comment doesn't he alex um, is an absolute knob he is he is a, he's a bellend oh, there's something else we missed as well because my, i got a note here to remind me it just says alex is a complete shit and it's where um, <laughs> <laughs> it's where they're, they're going on the business trip because alex has arrived to pick angela up uh-huh. and and he's got the audacity to big toothy grin and smile and wave to barry but it's not yeah. even like a oh are you mate like I, i'm taking your wife away to this business trip he's smarmy and slimy and grin he's basically look i'm slipping yeah. your wife one pal and there's nothing you can do about it yeah he's a complete dick yeah he is a nasty bastard yeah um we we should we should rank the biggest knobheads in this series that's <laughs> what we should do because he's uh he's up there with um with darling wife Oh, and, uh, <laughs> and there's a couple, couple of others as well that you just see. Uh, uh, the boyfriend from Sleeper. Oh, he was the boyfriend from Sleeper. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah he was a dick. Yeah, he <laughs> um, yes, he, he mugs poor old Barry with a knife. I said poor old Barry. We know he's a psychopath, but um, <laughs> oh, the poor little psycho. <laughs> <laughs> he takes Barry's cash and runs away. Um, he goes to the phone box, thinks about reporting it, but he knows that. He won't get anywhere. Um, and then it, it seemed to give him inspiration. It flashes back to that moment we just mentioned. Alex saying he put up a fight against the Yobbo. Um, so, yeah, it seemed to um, seemed to inspire him, really, didn't it? Yeah, and, and he says about the description, hooded mm-hmm. top, baggy, tri- baggy trousers and yeah, that's all trainers. That's all he can give and so on. But, again, he's been mugged. And that, I mean, that's got to be quite a scary scenario to yeah. be in and, and you know quite horrific and he's been struck and he's been hit to the floor mm-hmm. and he's in he's in a, a shady part of town so to speak but again he's very separated from the whole scenario mm-hmm. he doesn't come across 
massively scared or panicky or you know there's no adrenaline flowing from what i can see or, or his reactions or anything like that he picks the and again he's very cold and calculated he picks the phone up and he's like of course, there's not much point in doing this because of this, this, and this. It's almost like he's literally running through a list in every scenario. Or like he's, it's almost like he, in a way, sometimes he comes across almost robotic, running through a, a, a program in his head, as opposed mm. to actually feeling emotions or reactions, maybe. Yeah, which could be great if I didn't, every time he looked at the camera, think, oh, it's Rob Brydon playing a character. Yeah. Right? Exactly. And maybe that's me thing, because maybe, you know, how else do they do that if that's what they want to do and they want to show that he's dissociative and that he's running things through a list and all this, but mm. oh, it just it's puts me off. The mugger is actually a writer. Oh, so he really? He did have some acting uh, credits, but he's a writer. Um, and he's mostly been involved in kids' cartoons, like Messi Goes to Okido, and involved in Mr. Bean, the animated series, Justin's House, and all that kind of stuff. So okay. I would tell you that. Oh, that's quite um, cool. Yeah, so um, so he's he's written all of your favourite shows. Yeah, Justin's house, mate. Can't fault that. Yeah, <laughs> Justin's house. Um, she gets home and he gives her a hug and says that he missed her and asks if Alex has been keeping her hard at it. <laughs> uh, I enjoyed that. Yeah, <laughs> that was. Good. Uh, she goes for a shower and um, he says that nothing. No, she asks him if anything happened while she he was away. And he said, and nothing ever happens to me. Mm. So she's bought that because he's born Barry. My life doesn't lend itself to events. That's right. <laughs> what a line that is. <laughs> yeah. if, anything, um, if we ever do have merchandise for this shirt, for this, for this show, yeah. that's got to be a t-shirt. My life doesn't lend itself to events. <laughs> it is a great line. <laughs> With just a rucksack underneath it. <laughs> <laughs> In a bit of water. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, then he goes shopping in the market, and I think this is clever. Mm. I don't know how many markets sell, like, knives. Well, not anymore. They wouldn't be allowed to, would they? But I'm fairly certain you could back in the day. Well, you must have been able to, yeah. yeah. In Gloucester, there's a, in Gloucester City Centre, before the city centre like basically became just this derelict fucking waste town full of bookies <laughs> and pound shops, it's, um, <laughs> we had, we've got two, we've got the indoor market that's open every day. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, even that's going to the war now, but... And then we have, like, the market that will pop up outdoors in the square on the weekends and mm-hmm. you used to be able to go to both and buy kitchen stuff and swiss army knives and all that sort of stuff so i remember buying a swiss army knife from a uh, a market stall actually mm. yeah um like, but it's quite kitchen knives and that yeah yes yeah, it's quite clever because he said um you know to to go to a market you avoid cctv everything's yeah. paid by cash no receipts there's no yeah, and it is. It's 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 you know you can go to a market and buy something, and no one ever know that you were there. No, exactly, exactly. But um, we get another insight here, don't we, to his thought process. I want to say his thought process at this moment, but it almost comes across that like maybe it's his thought process a lot of the time. Very again, I keep using the term, but very calculated thinking things things through because he picks the hammer up, doesn't he? Mm. And he mentions you know there's an appeal to this. But you get something that they refer to as splatter. And I want to be, you know, even wearing a waterproof coat, which is something else he talks us through as well. Is it? Buying a mm-hmm. waterproof coat and, you know, stop with a DNA or anything like that. So he's, again, it comes across like as he's formulating this plan or even at this stage, I suppose, putting the plan in motion because he's buying things to, to, to work on it with. It comes across like he's kind of thinking of pretty much every aspect. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. And and I say that there's there's so much about this that's was really clever from his sort mm. of point of view, and he is really thinking it through in in bullet points. Uh, it just feels like a documentary, though. Um, but, but yeah. again, this is the thing. It, to me, this is one of those moments where it felt a bit darker because okay. he was to- he was holding the hammer, and mm-hmm. we're looking at him almost across across a display of something. I mean, we're like the other side yeah. of the, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's not like we're next to him and he's talking right into the camera and he kind of just looks across at, at us and at the camera and starts mm-hmm. talking about the hammer and there is an appeal to it, but then there's splatter. And I was like, okay, that's a bit, a bit of a darker, a bit more of a chill to his words there. Yeah. Yeah. And he, he also says, um, question is, is he fantasizing or actually up for it? Mm. And the answer is that he won't know until he tries. And I thought that was quite interesting yeah. as well. Um, so then, yeah, so then we get, get to the moment where he goes to a public toilet, gets changed, put his clothes in a bin bag, sticks a bin bag on a pile of rubbish, because he obviously knows the route of the bin mm-hmm. lorries. So he knows when they will come and pick it up quite quickly. Um, so he's on a tight schedule. Yes. Um, yes. Because it's got to be in line with when Alex leaves work and get it back there in time for the final trip of the day where they're going to directly take that those rubbish bins to the tip. Yeah, because like you said it's their last run of the day. Yeah. Well, yeah. With regards to that, then, I, I, you may just blow this completely out of the water straight away, but I couldn't figure this out. Why is he wearing his work clothes mm. and then puts them in a bin liner with the rubbish into his murder clothes, so to speak? Because I don't know where else he would leave them. So he got changed. Oh, uh, yeah, of course. And then I, he had to, he couldn't carry his briefcase with him to do the murder. No, that's true. And then he put them in the bin bag, put it on the, on the bin bag. So no one's going to go into the public toilet and think what the mm. hell is that in there. So then his plan is commit the murder, go back, get, get the bin bag, change yeah. into and his of course suit. It won't so have when people see him yeah. at that time of night, it's, he's just doing his job and observing the bin rounds. Mm. I think that was the plan. I think. No, that makes a lot of sense. Actually. I was being a dumbass. <laughs> uh, um yeah so it's running as a bit of an inner monologue now and that's so much better yeah um he, he's on he's on schedule he says uh no sorry he says he's behind schedule now um i don't know what put him behind schedule at this point no no i don't know maybe it's because he kept stopping to talk to us yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's lost track of time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, starting to question himself a little bit as well. It seems like he's uh, thinking about backing out. Um, but then he gets this kind of image in his head of Alex uh, doing his missus. Yeah, Alex and his his missus in some sexy gym jams. Yeah, sexy gym jams. Yeah. But again, this is probably the only time up till now where we've seen any real reaction. Because he's been very cold, hasn't he? From hearing that message. I mean, okay, he looked shocked, don't get me wrong. And I almost felt sorry for him when he was sat listening to what was going on. Mm. But there is no massive fly off the handle, rage, upset, or anything like that. He literally just sits there and then starts walking around talking to us and then goes, I don't, maybe I want to do it now, maybe I don't, whatever. Mm. This is the first time that we've seen anything kind of come close to affecting him emotionally when he has that image in his head because that's what pushes him over the edge to go and actually go and uh, go and do this mm-hmm. yeah absolutely um so yeah so he sees uh, he sees alex come out gets to his car alex does um and he goes to attack alex but alex is a bit stronger isn't he 
um, yeah. cuts Alex's hand. Um, and at that point, Alex manages to pull Barry's hood back and sees exactly who he is. Mm. What do you think? What do you think about this when this was happening? My my, this is probably going to paint me in a bad light. To be fair, but I didn't think of the murder. I didn't think of anything like that. I didn't, you know, none of that scenario. My first thought was, what a shit disguise. <laughs> you know, I'm thinking, surely if you're going to make like the a scarf effort, over your face, exactly. If you're going to make the effort, at least just cover your face up. And, and this is why, Barry. This is why, because now you've been recognised. <laughs> yeah, if you had a scarf over your nose and mouth, you definitely wouldn't recognise. No, never <laughs> in a million years. <laughs> <laughs> he should have had the hair transplant beforehand. Yes, from his... we've we've already established <laughs> he's so much sexier. <laughs> you wouldn't have noticed. Are you that guy off the telly? Are you that Keith Barrett. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll tell you for why. <laughs> um, he sees it's Barry, and then, if, if anything, that's kind of Alex's undoing because yeah. Alex seemed to be overpowering him to a degree. He sees it's Barry, he's shocked. He sort of pauses, and it gives Barry the opportunity to to stab him a few times, mm. doesn't it? Yeah, and it's that it's that thing around that split second where they pause and they both like stare at each other. I wonder what would have happened if he just just bottled it. If you just went, oh, sorry, it's you. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't realise, Alex. Sorry, mate. Uh, I might do the random stabbing. And I, yeah, I, I, just out stabbing. I've bumped into a family member. What are the chances? <laughs> <laughs> well, what are the chances? Scottish Danny, let us know. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes, yeah, so he, he stabs him to death, and then we hear a scream, and a woman's witnessed it. So Barry legs it. Um, goes and picks up his bag, nearly picks up the wrong one, which I thought was a good little, uh, little touch. Yeah. Gets um, it back to the toilet to get changed, rips it open. It's an old keyboard and some condoms or something. <laughs> <laughs> he thinks, of, well, in for a penny. Couple of empty tins of beans or something. <laughs> think, oh, well, I've got to use it now. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, he, he, um, he gets changed, then he ditches that bin bag, as we said, in the Rutherford area. Um, and he, then he starts talking to us again, and he says that none of this is watertight, but he says there's no reason he should ever become a suspect. He's likely to get away with it. Mm. And again, this shows the cold side. This shows mm. the almost what well, you said about separating himself from from the scenario, and that does come across that way there. But yeah. also, it's, it's right, because the, the affair's a secret. Mm-hmm. The only way he would appear to be a suspect would be if he had a motive, which at the moment, to everyone else, he hasn't got. Nope. Yeah, and again, because of his character, no one mm. would look at Barry and think, you're out stabbing. Yeah. yeah. So always the quiet ones, in it? Did it? <laughs> <laughs> or the ones really coked up on Red Bull. Um, <laughs> he, he gets home, and she asks him if he's okay, because he looks pale, and he keeps breaking into a sweat. So um, adrenaline, regret? What do you think? Mm. Just a reaction to actually physically it- doing it? He's had a bit of a run as well. He's got changed quickly. It's all frantic. So, yeah, that must be a bit of all of that, I think. But I like the way that he just, he talks to her like she's just really, really stupid. He's just been, like, killing someone. And she's mm-hmm. like, what is wrong? And he's like, I've been in the bins all day. <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. silly yeah, woman. <laughs> you stupid woman. Um, <laughs> yeah. He's um He's starting to overthink things now. Um, she asks why he's not eating and he says he had the last biscuit and it confuses oh. her and, she, and he freaks out, doesn't he? This Remember was this? weird. This was, <laughs> this is one of those moments where I was like, this doesn't seem like a real conversation. <laughs> this doesn't, you know, 
No, I know he's going to be acting weird. I, I ate some biscuits earlier. We ain't got any biscuits. I had the last one. Really? Well, I thought we had yeah. He's like, oh God, I messed up on the biscuits. <laughs> she is just so, she is so suspicious about these biscuits. I mean, <laughs> Those are my like, biscuits, you bastard. <laughs> you had the last biscuit. Are you sure? Because I wrote on the shopping list that they were all gone. So maybe I had the last biscuit. Yeah, and, and they're both looking at each other across the table like, which one of us is lying about the biscuits? It's really strange. Have you never had an argument with your missus about biscuits? No, not like that. <laughs> you know, we've got a very low ratio of digestive deception in our house. You know, it's very, it's very, it's very there's no issues on that front, mate. <laughs> That's a, but it was a weird interaction, wasn't it? I'm not, it was a weird interaction. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was just to show that he was overthinking, but. <laughs> but she's overthinking. She's got no reason yeah. to overthink. She's like, did you? What biscuits are you talking about? Are there biscuits? I don't know. Is there a secret biscuit cupboard I don't know about? I've got a secret biscuit tin, to be fair. I, I, say, a, I say a secret biscuit tin. It, it's, fucking, it's not very secret, because it's bright red and it says Dad's Biscuit Tin on it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's hidden You're behind... You're not the best some, at keeping secrets, <laughs> It's hidden behind somewhere else in the cupboard. And the thing was... Normally, right when we run out of biscuits, and I want a biscuit with a cup of tea at night when I'm watching a bit of telly, I'll go and get my secret biscuit out of my secret bright red biscuit tin. But a week ago, I went there, and some fucker's been at them, so the biscuits aren't there anymore. What you need to do is when you're having a meal, <laughs> so, yes. well, I've just had a biscuit, and wait for which one asks you. Well, I didn't think you had any biscuits in yeah. your tin. Aha. <laughs> Ah, uh, right. Where's your rucksack? <laughs> yeah. We're getting hung up on these shit. biscuits. I tell you what, if there was an episode of Murder in Mind and you were the main character, it would last about five minutes because <laughs> the coppers would just come in and just go, "I did it." You wearing a big t-shirt says it was me. Yeah, it would go one or two ways. It would even be because of my suspicious minds that we covered in the early couple of episodes of yep. this podcast. I would get away with it completely because I'd have thought of everything. Yeah, or I'd literally be sat there with a knife in my hand going, don't know what you're on about. You know, just completely give it a... <laughs> There'd be no middle ground. It'd be one way or the other. Knife in one hand, bright red biscuit tin in the other. Yeah. <laughs> you took my biscuits. Um, We're getting yeah, hung up on these biscuits nearly as much as she is. <laughs> it was weird. Um, she gets the call from her sister that Alex had uh, been attacked. Uh, she tells him, he goes to react and go, oh my, and then he goes, hang on, attacked. Which is quite comical. Yeah, that was good. I didn't mind that. Um, she says he's in the hospital. So then they start driving. Barry's driving. Uh, asks what condition he's in. and asking quite a few questions because he's getting yeah. a bit nervous, as he would. Uh, nearly runs a couple over, doesn't he? Yeah, because he's not paying attention and you're, you've got a bit of distraction there. Yeah, exactly. Um, I got throwbacks to um, Vigilante from this because obviously at the end of Vigilante, they're going to the hospital because the guy's not dead. Yeah, but it cuts off there. That's the end of the episode. Mm. It's almost like here we're getting what could have happened. Could have happened in Vigilante, mm. which I thought was quite cool. Yeah, yeah, I didn't think of that. But yeah, you're right. It's it's quite interesting, isn't it? Um, Sophie's uh, his, her sister is at the hospital. She says he's in a critical condition. The witness um, got a good look at the attacker, um, but he um, Barry is sure that it's not going to be helpful because he mm. was just wearing baggy clothes and all that sort of stuff. Um, he only has to worry about Alex seeing him. Um, and then it's that moment that they confirm that Alex is dead. Yeah, and he does his best uh, 
don't celebrate too hard, Barry face. Yeah. You know, he's a bit like, oh, ho, ho. <laughs> yeah. So what did you think about that? That then to, do you think that was, I think that was a, a good little point to put in the program. What do you think about the point of sort of him not being dead? And then as soon as they get there, he does die. Do you think that was a good little story beat or do you think a bit pointless or? No, I think it was quite good because for a couple of reasons. One, you had Barry actually showing a little bit of, I suppose, some form of emotion because he's getting a bit mm-hmm. paranoid. He's getting a bit stressed. He, is he going to get Anarchy. caught out here? Mm-hmm. We get a little argument between him and his wife in the car because she's snappy. Mm-hmm. But obviously she can't tell him why she's in a mood because mm-hmm. this isn't just her brother-in-law. This is this is the, the bloke she's been sleeping with. Mm-hmm. He can't tell her why he's getting paranoid and, and edgy because he's stabbed the dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's and you also, yeah. you then get another interaction between Barry and the Sophie, isn't it? His sister-in-law. Yeah. Which I think those interactions are quite important throughout the show because it shows that Barry isn't just married to Ange and that's his link to the family. They are quite a close-knit group, mm. which is a big motive for things later on in the show, isn't it? Not rocking the boat, so to speak. Yeah, and obviously he's got no problem with Sophie. No, she's a victim as well. So, yes. in his head, um, he tells us about the um, waste disposal again. That uh, all the rubbish is all rubbish is evidence, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, meals eaten, love letters, homes wrecked, uh, violence and death. Uh, yeah, this is either brilliantly cold and again leaning towards the sort of psychopath elements of the character. Or it's just a bit daft. I can't make my mind up. No, I, I think that's a good way to describe the episode. <laughs> <laughs> we missed something as well, though. There's a policeman we- at the hospital, and Barry is asking, well, not trying to, not asking questions, but very much trying to lead the conversation. He's mm-hmm. telling the police officer, oh, probably didn't get a good look. Well, nothing was stolen. And then Barry's like, well, he probably got startled when he saw the damage he did and ran away, that robber. And the copper's like, mm, yeah, we'll, we'll see, mate. Yeah. Then they then they reveal that he was stabbed at he'd not been found for a while and then they couldn't mm-hmm. identify him as well so it was several hours ago that this occurred and they yeah. placed the time of the attack because of the witness at six thirty at night. Mm-hmm. Who who has known anyone that their bins collected at six thirty at night? <laughs> that that threw me and I know it sounds like a really stupid little thing but it's those those things that take me out I'm like. Yeah. Why are you getting... No, I've, I've never known anyone get their bins collected at No, I've never known anyone get their bins collected at 6.30 at night. Today? I thought part of the perks of being a bin man was you finished early. Yeah, you did early hours, yeah. Yeah. So that threw me completely. Not, not on Barry's ship. No, well, he's in charge. You've already arranged it. Yeah. Ooh. Hard bastard. Don't want to work for him. <laughs> um, <laughs> stabbing you. Um <laughs> Uh, yeah, so we get to the funeral. He's comforting Alex's sons, which is really dark, I think. Oh dear. Um, he's fussing over his wife when they get home, puts her feet up, and all that kind of stuff. Tells her that Alex was a pal. Um, he's very pleased with himself, isn't he? Oh, the, the bit where he goes into the kitchen mm-hmm. and he's making a cup of tea or coffee or whatever it may well be, and he's talking to the camera almost over his own shoulder as he's making his drink and so on. Mm-hmm. Again, it comes across as psychotic because he's he's got that separation from what's gone on. It's very matter of fact of his description. 
but he's also smiling away and being like, oh, I've got away with this. I've, I've come, coming up smelling of roses, or maybe mm-hmm. that's not the right thing to say on a day like this and all this. Sort of, and it, it's quite, it's almost like he's finding humour in the situation, isn't it? Mm, yeah. I, I, again, I think this was, this was really good. Um, yeah. I, yeah, I think it was really good. It just it's the way it's delivered, and not his fault. But I say, just I don't know. I can't get over the four four thing. Maybe it wouldn't have been so bad if it wasn't Rob Brydon. Yeah, <laughs> you know? maybe. maybe. Maybe if it was someone I wasn't familiar with. But I just just can't because it's it's a dead stare to the camera, mm. isn't it? Yeah, um, and, and there's nothing against Rob Rob Brydon. I, I reckon it's no, 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 fantastic. No, nothing against Rob Brydon. But it's I don't imagine. Rob you reckon Bryden. what I mean is he's a recognisable figure. He's someone yeah. that I know as Rob Bryden. Yeah. He's not like an actor that I hadn't seen before or anything like that. Um, and I think actually he's he's pretty good as a, a bit a bit creepy and a bit mm. sort of slimy and um, yeah, bless him he's got a lived in face, hasn't he? Yes. So he's um, I think that adds an element to it. And there's a bit later on that I think is brilliant, which I'll I'll get to. Um, I think he's amazingly creepy. Um, yeah, he's, he's really pleased with himself. Uh, but he says he hadn't forgotten that Angela was the other guilty party. Mm, takes two to uh, tango, as he says. Absolutely. Uh, she's lost a lover. She must pretend that grief is Sicily love. Maybe she's suffered enough, but I wouldn't go that far. Yeah. Again, but a big grin, though. A big smile. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he is an absolute mentalist. Uh, <laughs> police rock up, and Barry uh, starts answering... Um, they want to talk to Angela. Barry sticks his nose in a few times, saying that, like you said, Alex, Alex was a victim of a street robbery and all that. And the DS cuts him off and says, uh, don't let us keep you from your work, <laughs> which I quite yeah, like. They're, they're very keen to get shot of him, aren't they? Yeah, I, I guess um, for me, it was probably one, they want to talk to the missus and he's not letting her talk. But also they... They've heard that he that they've got an inkling at this point that Alex was shagging around. Maybe they've been told that it might have been with her, and they don't think that she's going to tell the truth. He's there. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah. Um, so these police officers are Di Curry, mm-hmm. who is Blair Plant. Uh, he played Gerald Taylor apparently in Emmerdale from '95 to '97. No idea. Um, nope, me neither. And he was also a police detective in 22 episodes of Coronation Street. Nope. There you go. No uh, DS Wicks is Sarita Kumar, who has popped up in Line of Duty, Lewis, Kavanaugh QC, but also Doctor Who alert. Oh, hello. Hello. Uh, sort of. She. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Almost. Um, I'm counting as the Doctor Who alert. It's Doctor Who universe. Uh, she was a character called Nurse Doherty in Torchwood again. Episode called Exit Wounds, which is a bloody belter of an episode, by the way. Okay. Um, if I go back and I look at my little notes, that uh, I wonder if I've still got my Torchwood notes that I did. No, that's just toilet roll. Uh, <laughs> was it that scary? <laughs> yeah, that's scary. Um, no, they're notes for the Doctor Who pod. All of my notes about Tortured have been deleted, which is Aww. good. Um, but yeah, I ranked all the episodes. Uh, I did it on Twitter, I think, as well. I put I put my ranking on. And I okay. think Exit Wounds was pretty close to the top. I think it was pretty close to the top. Um, really good episode. But yeah, she's she's a character in there. So there you go. Another week, another Doctor Who alert. Sort of. Fantastic. Kind of. We've, we've got one every single week this so far, Morty, haven't we? I'm uh, I'm going by hook or by crook. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
yeah so um they ask if barry wants to know what it's about so then angela says um that they wanted to know if alex was involved with anyone in the office because obviously they made barry leave um a little bit later we see uh, sophie again and she says to barry and angela the same thing basically that the police asked if uh, alex was shagging anyone um she said she never suspected it um and you can see angela starting to feel guilty now probably should have felt like that before you were shagging your sister's husband exactly because i'll tell you what the way this whole thing comes across if he wasn't stabbed that's mm-hmm. still be going on oh 100 percent, 100 percent. um yeah so she's she feeling a bit guilty about this and again barry's being quite um quite nice to uh to sophie um barry says he doesn't like it because he can see that it's about to she's about mm. to admit something um when they get home um they're home or they're in the cottage they go back to the cottage don't they no no they are no they're at home they're at home a, when a big conversation happens and mm-hmm. yeah and and things come out there's a, yeah it's when he gets back because barry yeah. goes to the police station and it's when he returns isn't it yeah so she she tearfully admits to barry that her um her and alex were lovers and keith barrett suddenly appears because okay <laughs> he shouts bloody hell in his welsh accent it was brilliant did you pick up on that i know what what threw me completely was she's there going bloody hell <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> what threw me completely was she's there she's obviously dealing with all this grief and and this guilt and she's full of emotion and all that sort of stuff and she keeps saying oh barry oh barry and then eventually barry? uh oh, yeah eventually just goes we were lovers. It's like, I'm, again, that conversation never happens. We, we were having an affair or something. Yeah. You, don't, you don't turn around to, to your husband, oh, to your, your wife. Yeah, or, to your partner and say we were lovers. Yeah. yeah, that does not happen. No. No, you wouldn't, would you? Unless you're trying to spite the other person. Yeah. What's still going on? Yeah, good point. Yeah. I was just put off by the fact that he stood up and very loudly in a Welsh accent went... <laughs> bloody hell <laughs> i like the fact he called her a bitch that was good yeah um but it was really funny because because the accent really put me off during this because it's rob yeah. Bryan doing a really um i don't know if it's a bad brummy accent because all brummy accents are bad <laughs> i think angela's was worse yeah neither of them are actually from it, it didn't seem necessary no. because like alex wasn't from birmingham no and I'm pretty sure that her sister didn't put on a Brummy accent, did she? No, I don't think so. And so what was the need? The actress who plays Angela is actually Irish, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not what? just set it in London or something. It could be in Birmingham if you want it to be in Birmingham. If you want to say Birmingham is a shithole and people get stabbed all the time by bins, that's fine. <laughs> you can do that. But, like, you know, he could be Welsh and be in... It's yeah. fine. Yeah, this is it. Maybe he wanted to test out his range, but it it very often. Um yeah. So uh Keith Barrett shouts her. And then um, <laughs> um I've written he's he's really restricted by the duft accent they've got him going doing. Yeah. And for is... me I felt like he was because there was only certain you said about the emotions and stuff, but there was only certain things I'm not good at accents, as you've just found out. But I find that when I do certain accents, I can only do them in certain tones or you know, if I get too animated, it it sort of wheels mm-hmm. off. Every time, because he's trying to sort of do this accent, it feels like 
again, it doesn't feel natural. It doesn't feel like he's actually reacting to things. Yeah. He's just saying words. And I do think part of that is him being restricted by the accent. If he was just able to do his bloody hell um, and just being able to be Welsh, I think mm-hmm. it would have flowed better and you would have felt more. Yeah. I think it was a bit, bit, bit off putting, but it was stuff like this. You've kicked the bottom out of my world. And yeah. stuff like that. It was just, uh, Again, it's not. I don't think it's, a, it's him as a character being calm and cold. I don't think it is. I think it's just, he can't say those words in any other tone than just going. Yeah, but the, 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 the words world, he's been the bottom out the, my world, Ange. The words he's been given are terrible. Yeah, they're not great. Are they. It's not. It's not good dialogue. It's not good. You know. Yeah, uh, I said in one of the earlier episodes that I think, um, and I think there's a bit more of this. For me, in not in all of them, but in a fair few episodes of Murder in Mind, I think what they've done is they've gone up with a clever story, all the twists and turns, and then they've gone. Better put some words in. Yeah. Okay. It's not really a dialogue-based show for me. Mm-hmm. There's the odd line that is really good. We've had, we, you know, we picked up on a few, uh, even one on here. But generally speaking, the dialogue's a bit copy-paste. The dialogue's a bit basic, yeah. and sometimes a bit cheesy. Because I think they just they do their storyboard and they have their this is what's going to happen. This is going to lead to that. This is going to lead to that. Now do words. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. Uh, I don't think it's the it's the uh, the series' strongest point. No, is the actual uh, dialogue for me. But there's other good points that carry it through, isn't there? Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, it, it's it's very well written in general in terms of, mm-hmm. like you said, the the intrigue and the details and the twists and turns and all of that. It, you know, the dialogue, funnily enough, you know, doesn't always detract, and mm. you don't need to have big, long, twenty-minute speeches and all that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I love the series. What we're doing. We're doing this. Um, it's so varied. Um, but yeah, um, she, she says that she begs him, says, don't do anything destructive. And he says, dear old Barry doesn't have it in him. Um, <laughs> he says that um, you should think about Sophie. Um, she says you should think about Sophie, didn't she? And he said, that, oh, yeah, like you did. And her defense was that their affair was secret. Yeah, that makes it so much better, doesn't it? Of course. Uh, he says, oh, yeah, better to be a private joke than a public one. And she says they didn't laugh about him. But, of course, he knows different. Yeah, so for me, flashback, this, yeah. Yeah, this was important, I think, because this was – it almost felt like this could have been a turning point where he goes, I am going to forgive her. Mm-hmm. I'm going to stick with her. But then she's lied to him again. Yeah. So now he's like, no, mm-mm. Um, he says it's them against the world. And what's done can't be undone. You'll have to find a way to live with it. And she said that he'd been so great. Uh, she doesn't think anyone knew what he was capable of. And he said, probably not. Again, though, it, he, he came around very quickly. Yeah. You know, even though, regardless of whether he's got an end game to this plan of his, or he feels like he's got the problem out of the way so he can get his wife, gets his wife back to himself or whatever. And again, the murder, whatever. She's been sleeping with his brother-in-law for a long period of time because they make it very clear. It wasn't a one off. It was a long period of time. Yeah. Mm. And he's just okay. He's like, Oh, bloody hell. You know, you bitch. Oh, all right. Then let's see if we can get through this. It's like, no, that that doesn't happen. No, it doesn't. Yeah. Nope. Um, yeah. So, uh, he says it's them against the world. What's been done. Can't be done. Done. She says, it's been so great. Uh, nobody knew what he's capable of. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, then he's in the police station. 
Voluntarily, mm-hmm. he says. He's been waiting there for five minutes, but he knows it's by design. Quite good. Like yeah. A little bit. Um, he explains his relationship to the police with Alex and says that they got on fine, but they didn't talk. Um, he didn't really talk to him that much. You know, they were family. Um, he's asked if he felt jealous about the time they, uh, him, Alex and his wife spent together. And he says no. And he says that they, um, there was more. They asked if there was, if you think there was more than the professional relationship between them. He said, yes, there was. They were family. Yeah. Quite and there was another moment as well when the, the male police officer, was it Curry, Detective Curry? Curry. He leans over and is talking oh, over his yeah. shoulder. Mm-hmm. And he just turns all of a sudden and he's right against his face. That was yeah. proper proper bad guy from American cop show reaction that was. That's the bit I've wrote. That was the bit that was really creepy. I like that. Yeah, that was good. Because that that does show the psychopath sort of tendency, yes. doesn't it? Because Curry is I don't think police actually do this, but he was behind Barry mm-hmm. and leaning over his shoulder talking to him. When Barry turned his head, like you said, they're almost nose to nose. Mm-hmm. But he just did it in one really quick movement. And he's dead staring him in the eyes and he's just smiling at him and answering the questions. And you're looking and going, oh, this guy's fucking psycho. He's a nutter. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I like like stuff like that because that's him. In his mind, that's normal. Yeah. In his mind, he's reacting normally. He's just smiling and answering the questions. But he's not judging these uh, social sort of things. Uh, For me, this was a really good bit of character work. Mm. I really like it. And you get the big... Rob Brydon's smile, the grin, and all that. But in this scenario, it works as a creepy smile. I thought that was really good. Yeah, and he definitely puts some more emphasis on the smile. Yeah. Um, he pulls off the creepy look really well. So again, not being horrible to Rob Brydon, but he has got a lived-in face, as I mm-hmm. were, uh, you know, lots of... I don't know if they're all just wrinkles and stuff, but there's, like, scars, you know, like you have yep. when you're a teenager and you've got spots and stuff, and there's all these kind of, like, marks and scars, and he just, he, you know, it ages him, really. But so when he smiles, his whole face creases up, doesn't it? Yeah. It's almost Joker-esque, isn't it? Like, yeah, you know, I, I was just thinking that, actually. Yeah, it is. It, it, um, so, yeah, he, he does he does that really well. Um, they ask where Barry was, and um, uh, Barry's already... We get a flashback where he's already prefaced it with his wife, hasn't he? Yeah. And this is, again, so clever, and it shows how manipulative the guy is because he's making her his alibi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And um, she understands why, because he's basically saying to her, like, yeah, me and you know that I've only just found out about your affair, but how are anyone else supposed to know that? So, so you know, they're going to be looking at me. I don't know where I was. Mm. I can't remember where I was when that happened. It was really clever. Yeah, really twisted and, yeah, just... Oh. And it completely makes sense because to her, of course he doesn't know. Mm-hmm. Of course he doesn't know. And, of course, you know, it's completely logical. If they find out that they were having an affair, they're going to look at the husband. If he can't say where he's wound about, uh, roundabouts, where are your roundabouts? Um, <laughs> if he can't tell them where the roundabouts are, <laughs> then they're going to revoke his license. Um, yeah, they're going <laughs> to... I've lost track of what I'm actually <laughs> fucking saying. His whereabouts. Yes. Um then yeah, he's screwed and the poor, poor innocent Barry. So it, it really makes sense. Very clever. Really clever. Um, he, he, he goes, that it is, it is all her fault. And he says that um, uh, she has to repay him. You know, again, it's them against the world. Um, he starts taking Alex's kids around the waste plant at this point. This was strange. 
the whole thing's strange. Uh, <laughs> he says he does what he can for the boys, and Angela's now his accomplice, and it's up to Curry to prove anything. But yeah, he kind of gives the boy, lets the boys play on the digger and all that kind of stuff. He's taken you know, the, I, he's becoming a father figure for those kids. I I completely got this wrong the first time I watched it. So when I rewatched it yesterday, I was a bit like, "Ah, oh, you dickhead," because he says, Ange says to him what's the one you know what could i do to repay you i can't you've been amazing and all this sort of stuff i wish i could repay you for everything you've done and then barry goes hmm there is one thing actually now on the second watch he obviously means be his alibi yeah right but the scene (laughs) then the scene then cuts to him at the wasteland with the boys, right? Uh, you thought he was it. saying, "Please let those boys visit a waste site with me." I was, th- I was thinking. <laughs> it's like, the first time I watched it, it completely threw me because it was like, "Oh, there is one thing you can do. Let me take my nephews to the tip." <laughs> you know, and I was like, "This is getting really strange," you know. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I took it as him. But you said it yourself, he's trying to be like a father figure to those boys. So cold, because he killed her dad and he's, yeah. he doesn't seem bothered about it at all. He's dissociative. But there's also like a, a bit of an extended hug coming up very soon between him and Sophie. Mm. So I started thinking, is he going to bump his wife off and then shack up with Sophie so he's got a ready-made family? Mm-hmm. That was my mindset. And yeah. this whole thing of he wanted one favour from her let me take the boys to the tip in my head was part of his plan to get close right. to the lads Not <laughs> to, to, you know, to move in on Sophie. And I'm thinking, mm, I, you're not going to be very successful taking the lads to the tip and uh, trying to try and win over. <laughs> but it weren't until I watched it back to, you know, not, not to, yesterday, sorry, I watched it back uh, two or three days after my initial watch. I was like, Oh no, he means the alibi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't even think of that. Yeah, I didn't even think of any other option. No, I don't. <laughs> please, please let me take the boys to the tip. I've been asking for years. <laughs> um, Sophie asked Angela who Karen is, mm-hmm. and she said, "Well, actually, there was someone called Karen um, who waggled her tits at people." Mm. Uh, I know a few people that do that. Um, Dan Griffin. It's, um, <laughs> it's that's more that's done more in a threatening sense. I find. Oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's revealed that Karen was shagging Alex as well, and Angela's fuming. Yeah, she is. She is. This I thought this was fantastic. This was so because the way Alex comes across early on is this is just an affair, and there's something between uh, between the two of them, and it, it, he's got there's something between him and Ange. Yeah. But then before he's killed, you see him coming out of the office with another lady. He's having a bit the, of a chat with her, isn't he? And there's a lot of questions. He asks about going for a drink with her. I think we over here, mm. isn't he? And there's a lot of questions about his um, emotional involvement with different people. Mm-hmm. And then we get this as well. And I thought, oh man, he's just been out shagging everything. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, he was a dick. Yes. Um, yeah. So um, she's she's fuming. Um, Baron Angela suggests that um, she give it to the police. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've written Barry is happy as Barry. Yeah, which is very happy as we've seen. Yeah, yeah. I think it's supposed <laughs> to be Barry is happy as Larry. Okay. But, um, Barry's happy as Barry makes uh, just as much sense. <laughs> um, Angela's riddled with guilt, um, sad about finding out as well that you know that was elsewhere. And Barry says, "Oh, it's quite a blow finding out that she hasn't been the only one." 
and explains how bad jealousy is. And then for some reason, Barry then decides to tell her that he knew all along and that he killed Alex. This, Why? This was another scene that I thought started brilliantly. But at the end of it, I find myself just going, what the, f- what's, what, why? What's happened there? Why? Because they're sat, um, the, 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 the long, the long hug with Sophie is because mm-hmm. she is now yeah. leaving. Yeah, which so leaves the cottage. Yeah, yeah she's yeah. leaving the holiday home. She's leaving uh, Barry and Ange there and, you know, stay as long as you like and all that sort of stuff. And Ange is sat on the one end of the sofa, leaning mm-hmm. over the uh, arm of the sofa, staring very hard and intensely into this fire, which I got to dictate at some point is going to start to hurt your eyes. I would imagine, yeah, because she's someone near yeah. an open fire. Yeah, it's and then Barry's like the other end of the three seater sofa reading his book. <laughs> Not giving shit. <laughs> no, he does. He does it. Barry's like just just so chill at this point. <laughs> and then again, I don't know if it's because the it's lit by this open fire. Or because you're looking at it, you see Ange's reaction and her back is to Barry and he's talking from the other end of the sofa. It's quite a long shot across the room. I thought this started off fantastic. It mm. came across really dark, sinister. And he's saying things, as you explained, he's saying things like, oh, it's not nice knowing you're the only one. Uh, not the only one. Mm. Um, and he starts talking about, it's not nice when you hear about people trespassing and encroaching. Yeah. And, and it's quite dark and a little bit scary and he's quite creepy. Mm. And then, like you said, all of a sudden he just turns around and goes, oh yeah, by the way, I stabbed him. Yeah, why? It's like, what the, what, what the... Because, they, right, so they try and explain it away as that is his punishment to her. Mm-hmm. That she is his alibi and she's boxed in. She can't get out of it. She's now going to have to live basically with him knowing what he's done. Yes. Still doesn't make sense to me. No. He literally says that, doesn't he, to her? I've got you where I want you now. Mm-hmm. You're all boxed in. But it's okay. I'm going to be here for you. And I, this is a really uh, almost mad with power. Yeah. Sort of oh, he's, cocky. he's a cocky prick. By this yeah. Point. And it's very controlling. Very. Mm-hmm. Again, I keep using the term, but this part is very dark. But mm-hmm. the whole purpose of telling her, I, still, I don't quite get. No, because he was home free. Yeah. And it was coming up smelling the roses. As he said. It was. It was just, um, yeah, it doesn't make sense to me. Uh, I've no idea why he would suddenly do that. Um, like you say, it tells her that it's all boxed in. They then have sex, and she's not as responsive as ever. She's, she's not very responsive at all. No, she's not. Um, he's she very proud up. of himself, though, isn't he? He's very proud of himself. He, and, he, and I don't know if they did this on purpose, because they made that comment earlier. She was responsive, she usually is. Because he was so on edge and he was so sort of obsessive with this. And now he's a cocky prick. She's clearly not interested. Barry from 20 minutes previous would have picked up on something's not right here. Yeah. But she, but he didn't because for him, he's, he's winning. And mm-hmm. I, do, I, I like to think that was done on purpose because otherwise they don't know why they would have thrown in that line earlier. Yeah, exactly. For yeah. me, that's quite, that's quite a good a good thing to to do because we, they're showing that he is, you know, he's he's in that different mindset now. That maybe I'm making that. Up. No, I mean, no, no. I totally got the same thing. Makes a lot of sense. That's good. Um, so yes, yeah, so she she gets up and um, she goes to the bathroom, looks into the mirror, and starts talking to us. This was an like, again the same as when Rob Ryden first did it. I just sort of went, Whoa. 
you know, because because <laughs> I, I didn't expect it. It was like, and I'll tell you, my, my notes here will, will say what I expected. He has just had this, you know, long dialogue of being in control, and she's boxed in. He's got her exactly where he wants her. There's no escape, and he's in control, and all that sort of stuff. You then shown her incredibly miserable mm. and unresponsive, as we said, whilst whilst Barry was, you know, getting his jollies, and. <laughs> She's then in the bathroom staring at the mirror, looking effectively like very distant in some ways, like there's nothing behind the eyes and all this, drinking a glass of water. And my, my mind straight away went, she's going to top herself. Yeah, that was my first, yeah. I'm thinking, is this, is she got, because she, she's necking that water as well, isn't she? That's, mm-hmm. that's going down quick. And I'm thinking, has she got a handful of pills there? Is, is, she, is she thinking about throwing herself off the cliff? You know, because where they are in the holiday home and whatnot. I'm thinking, she's going to kill herself. But then that completely goes away when she turns to the camera and starts going, "Oh, Barry, yeah. oh Barry." <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, she um, she she looks at the mirror and she says that uh, she had no idea what Barry was capable of. Um, and if she does go to the police, she'd ruin everyone's lives. Barry is very thorough, and he's got her boxed in. And they're walking by the cliffs again. I'm glad mm. that they prefaced that earlier, that they've been to the yes. cliffs a few times, so it doesn't suddenly come out of the blue, really, because as soon as they start walking near the cliffs, I'm thinking one of them's going flying off that. And again, I came back to thinking, this is when she's going to kill herself. Right, you thought that she was going to kill herself? Yeah. Okay. Um, I thought it could have gone either way at this point, that um, one of them might end up killing the other by pushing them off the cliff, is what I was thinking. Um uh, she tells him to put his hood up because of the wind when he's down looking at flowers. Mm. So that moment for me, I was like, oh, she's going to do him. She's going to do him because he won't see her coming up behind her. Yeah. Um, she looks at us and she says, for all his strengths and cunning, his weaknesses, he can't put himself in the mind of other people, which is what we've spoken about, that yeah. he's dissociative. And, um then she uh, she unearths a big heavy rock and she says, Barry isn't evil. It's a kind of disability. It's a fatal flaw. She walks up to him. She lifts up the rock. And that's it. That's so end. we get the open-ended part again. Yeah, we again, don't know consistent if... with, um, with murder in mind because mm-hmm. you know, she could have then smashed his head in and pushed him off the rocks. He could have grabbed it and pushed her off. Uh, anything could have happened, really, in that scenario. We don't know, obviously, what will happen with Sophie and the boys. We don't know loads of stuff. But again, like Murder in Mind, I never find that to be an issue. I find that to no, be quite no. interesting. It's like reading a book. Um, so, yes, yeah, so that's the end of that episode. So, what do you think? I think the premise was very good. Mm. The idea, and, and, and the, the way you explained things earlier on with the potential that they have a story or an idea and then they've got to fill in the dialogue afterwards and it doesn't always mm-hmm. work. It, I think you're really onto something there when it comes to this episode and how it came across to me. Because I think the idea is very good. Yep. The execution, I think, leaves a lot to be desired. Mm-hmm. I don't, I, I couldn't get over the accents. Uh, and again, it comes to, it comes to a lot of those moments where, I mean, okay, you listen to this show, people listen to this show, you know, just, just think back over the last hour, hour and a half, whatever it may well be. How many times did we sit here and just go, but why? Yeah. And being in Birmingham with the accents is the first one. Mm-hmm. If they can't do Birmingham accents, why are they in Birmingham? You don't what, did do it, what did it add to it? Exactly. Yeah. 
you know, uh, there was just so many things that left me sat there thinking, but why has that happened? Why have they said that? And then there are moments of dialogue that I literally just, you know, as I've said to you on the show already more, that doesn't, that people don't talk like that. That doesn't get said. Nope. But the idea, I think, is very clever. Okay. So, so are mm. you are you keeping it in mind, or should it be murdered? I think I have to murder it. Okay. I think. I mean, it sounds funny, because I, I always try and think, would I go back and watch this again, or would yeah. I recommend sitting down with someone I know to watch this? Mm-hmm. I probably wouldn't because it's a little bit cheesy, a little bit cornball at times. Yep. But at the same time, I watched it twice this week. So I'm a bit of a... <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's, the, that's the place I'm in because, you know, we're going through this. A lot of these episodes, certainly the first two series, I've watched lots of times. Yes. Uh, um, I'm with you. Um, we were agreeing on this one. I, okay. I, I'm going to murder it. Um it's just too much talking to me that yeah. takes me out of the story. Um, it's not something before we started doing this podcast I realised bothered me that much, but it, it really does. The accent puts me off. I think it was limiting to him as well. The dialogue wasn't quite there. It just it, it was it was missing. It was nowhere near the strongest. Um, and you know the things that sort of put me off flame, and the things mm-hmm. that put me off passion the same things put me off here so it's another one i've just um so i would see that i was just looking down then i was just making notes um of to which ones we have um have murdered and kept in mind um and you know it's still it's still massively over um there's a lot more kept in mind than there is murder yeah um and rightfully so but not even not as heavily as we thought to be honest it's not as heavily in that direction as we thought really um but yeah, it's, it's the second one that we've agreed to murder. The first okay. one being Neighbours. Yeah. Um, yeah. Piece yeah. of shit. You're going, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't, it wasn't a piece of shit. Um, yeah, so what about the VIP for the episode? Oh, this is so difficult. Because I think there was good points to so many people, but nothing brilliant from anyone. Yeah. I quite... There's nothing wrong with Sophie, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, I suppose. I I quite liked Angela, to be honest. I thought she did quite well in her role. Mm. But then there were moments when the accent was so bad, I couldn't ignore mm. it. Yeah. Um, personally, I'm going to give it to Rob Bryden. Mm, I think so. I know that the accent was off-putting, but not his fault. It's what he's been sort of told to do. Um, he could have just said, "I don't know how to do a Brummie accent." <laughs> yeah, uh, but, but he can do one, but it's not. Mm. Um, Can't I just be a last one that's moved there? Where, <laughs> yeah, especially at this point in his career, he's a comedian slash yeah. sort of comedy actor, um, and he's he's. I think there's enough of here. You know, like the scene in the um, interview room. You know, he's really creepy in certain ways that he looked when he was talking to us and he was talking about certain things that look quite creepy and intimidating. So I'm going to give it to Rob Bryden. Yeah, Um, I I think that's what I'll go with as well. I I like the, I really like the beginning of the, I suppose, sofa scene. I've got it written down as on my notes when, mm -hmm. when he starts giving the unveil, 
I mean, the ending, as we just said, when he admits what's happened is a bit daft. I don't understand why that's happened. But yep. the, the dialogue before that, I think, was really well delivered. The, you know, I've got you exactly where I want you now and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, that was that was very dark and very well done. Yeah. Yeah. So there you have it. Um, next week, Sai, we're going to look yes. at Series 2, Episode 3, um, which is called Rage. Right, I nearly pressed play on that one yesterday by mistake. Okay, yep. Um, but nothing came up about it. It just came up rage, and I was like, that don't know what I had on the other day. So I went back out to <laughs> the menu. Yeah, so I know the title, and that's it. Yeah, so it's called Rage, um, and a couple of your main characters. Is one is played by Neil uh, Dudgeon, who is best known, I think, as John Barnaby in Midsummer, which you said you've not really ever watched. No, I'm not um, but who someone who you must be familiar with another one of the people that is um, prominent in this is Annette Crosby where who, do you know that name from well she's probably best known for being um, in One Foot in the Grave as Margaret oh yeah okay yeah, yeah One so, Foot in the Grave yeah so she kills someone in that yeah she does yeah Oh yeah, I forgot about. I try and I try and forget about that last episode. Yeah, that was that was not a good look, was it? No, it was very unnecessary. Mm. Very unnecessary, because yeah. Anyway, this isn't one foot in the grave podcast. Um, no. But <laughs> soon on the SCP World Media. Um, I haven't got any more time. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting side note with uh, um, one foot in the grave. By the way, Victor Meldrew, incredibly old man, looks incredibly old. Yeah, grumpy. Yeah, and obviously his appearance is that of a very old grumpy man. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, on my next birthday, yep. I will only be ten years younger than when he first started making that TV show. <laughs> well, doesn't that make you feel good? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> so in ten years, you're going to start working as a part-time um, lollipop man, are you? Yeah, and and yeah, they won't let you do that. They won't. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Hey, I've passed all my bloody checks, mate. Don't you worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> I just meant that I can't imagine you being safe around cars. Oh, like, right, yeah, yeah, you're fine, kids. Off you <laughs> go. <laughs> yeah, I'm not really paying attention. Just on my phone or talking to the yummy mummies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just holding the lollipop up, yeah. <laughs> um, so, si, where can they find you um, and everything that you're involved with? Uh SJP World Media, mate, the network that carries this show. And the best place to find that on the social media would be Facebook and Twitter at SJP World Media. And you get links to all the shows there that, that the network carries, looking at all sorts of wrestling, sport, music, TV. There's a little bit of something for everyone. More shows come in all the time, new hosts join in, all sorts going on. Uh, but um, oh, also, I suppose it's really important that people follow it and subscribe on the podcast players as well. So if you're listening to this via Apple or uh, Spotify, Google podcast, subscribe to the show. So you get a little notification every single time an episode drops. Uh, and yeah, at SJP world media for that one, bud. Fan. What about you? Well, you can find me uh, on Twitter at Morty JR five, and you can also find me on a podcast that I do called the Morty and Fitch show very arrogantly called um <laughs> which is uh, as we say every week very different to this um in terms of the fact that we have absolutely no subject we go in we talk nonsense for 45 to an hour and a quarter as it seems to be going on at the moment um 
just just for for our entertainment and hopefully for other people's entertainment just to have a bit of a a laugh we don't mean anything we say on there it's all just a bit of fun yeah and it is fun i bloody love it i really do i've been listening back to some of the old episodes at work but also i try and listen to the new episodes when they come out but i'm still a week or two behind on that as well well no that's not true actually i listened i listened to the one where you had a barney because he called you jamie uh yeah uh jamie oliver unforgivable yeah, I just listened to that one this week. Um, but now, some of the inside jokes or the jokes that you revisit, I'm getting a lot more of because I'm listening <laughs> to the other episodes at, at the same time. So, you know, yeah, yeah it's, it's it's well worth checking out. I, I really recommend people go and check that out. Yeah, and I appreciate you going back and listening to the old ones and stuff as well. We've had a few people that have joined a bit later and they've uh, they've gone back and listened to the old ones. And You don't need to put yourself through that. It's about 50 hours of us talking. <laughs> and the first... 25 30 episodes it's awful audio um so uh we have got on there a few best ofs from the first yes. year um they're sort of short episodes about an hour long episodes an hour and a half um which is just a selection of things so one is me talking nonsense for about an hour um the bits that fitch thought were the funniest of me telling stories about my mum and my sister and all that kind of nonsense i come out with <laughs> uh, there's an hour and a half of fitch talking absolute bollocks uh, which is good fun, and the question and answers, which is personally my favourite one. Uh, well, I, I get I get a kick out of the Fitch one. I listen to that every so often to perk myself up. Um, right. But I think, the, generally speaking, people have found the um, question and answers one sort of the funniest because they're kind of the best, the best questions and answers that we've done in terms of the ones that really make us lose it. Mm-hmm. Uh, which you've obviously heard some of, yeah. where we just fall about in fits of laughter and. Um, just nonsense. So, uh, so yeah, if you want to know what the spag goes and that kind of nonsense is, you will uh, you will get a lot of that. Um, I liked so, yeah. uh, I liked um, uh, the you look like. Yeah, yeah. yeah so we did good. one of those as well. Yeah, so that was good. We, we kind of run out of things that we look like now, but occasionally we. Uh, so for the first several episodes, nobody knew who we were, obviously. So we would sort of explain for a laugh what the other person looks like, and it just became more and more ridiculous. But there is an, <laughs> there is an episode, as I says, which is purely just every single time we said we look like something. And some of them are so accurate. Um, <laughs> some of them are so severe and so harsh. <laughs> <laughs> I listened to that one at work, and I was either laughing or cringing. It was like, oh, my God. <laughs> How can he say that? Yeah. Um, it's the thing we 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 know each other's humour, and we know that anything we say is not is not meant with any kind of you know malice or anything yeah, like that. Yeah. Um, we try and reel it back on other people, believe it or not. But sometimes things just come out. So when we have guests on, you know, we'll make a joke about someone. Uh, but usually, if they're on the show they've been interacting with the show long enough, they know what they're going to get. Yeah, yeah. So if you do come on the show, you are you are open season um but um it's all say all, all done in good jest really but um uh, you know we'll get signed there one day and um and then that'll probably be the end of this podcast uh but <laughs> all right speaking to you again you fuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah go and check us out that'll be great but uh, more importantly come and check us out on here again when we go through that uh new episode well new episode 21 year old episode well, new to me um, New, new to Sai. Yeah, you, um, you can also follow this show on Twitter at Murder in Mind Pod, but yeah. shout that out as well. You know, <laughs> good uh, idea. Between us, we've got so many podcasts, uh, and we just come across like we're not very good at this. <laughs> you, you say between us. Yeah, I've got two. 
Yeah. <laughs> That's more than one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I'm just not very good at this. <laughs> Poor am I. <laughs> We're bringing it together. It's all good. Yeah, yeah it so works. It works. Come and join us again next week. Bye, all. <laughs>